welcome to the Rock Music Alliance interview sessions. I am your host, Cole Coleman. On the show today, you know his drum playing from The Cult, Rob Zombie, Testament, and more. When we come back, I'll be speaking with John Tempesta. Attention guitar players, join the Thimble Slide revolution and free your slide finger. With its patented shape, you can slide and fret while wearing the Thimble Slide. Visit thimbleslide.com. That's thimbleslide.com. We're speaking with John Tempesta, drummer with Exodus, Testament, Rob Zombie, The Cult, and more. And Claudio Pesavento from Mahogany Rush and Chris Squire Band is here hanging out with us. What is the latest news from the world of John Tempesta. Any recordings, new bands, or tours being planned? Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, the uh, Mother Sister record, my other side band, well, side band, our band, um, we just started mixing the record yesterday, Jay Rustin. Um, yeah, it, well, I finished my drum tracks last year, right before the lockdown, like the day before, well, you know, a couple of days before. So I was able to finish and we finally got back to it after the, you know, the whole pandemic lockdown and they did all their overdubs and tracks and, and Jay just, uh, like I said, started yesterday with the mix. So I can't wait for you all to hear it. It's very exciting. That's, that's very cool, man. Now, do you do any remote drum sessions for people? I don't do, not out of my house. Um, I, I just did a recording on Sunday with my friend Ryan Green, who has a studio, and, and his drums sound amazing. They're all mic'd up, and he's, he's incredible at Pro Tools. So if there's any session I need to do, I just ask him if he has the time and go there. And we have a lot of fun together. We work, we work well, and it's pretty quick. So And the results are incredible. That's cool, man. Yeah, I was picturing in my mind, you know, maybe you've got a, a, a kit mic'd up in your own studio or maybe like when people hire you, like do you have to have to you know take it to another studio or? Um, I do have a drum room and, and they're really loud in there, but that's my next thing. I want to soundproof it and mic it properly, so I, I I will be able to do those kind of things. So so during this this pandemic shutdown this last year, have you been able to keep your chops up? Yeah, I do. I, I have a rolling kit at my house, a rolling TD50 kit, and uh, I play here. And I also have a, a drum room in North Hollywood where where I go to and, you know, just break away from there. And it's just me in the room. So um, I just go back and forth. And I like to play real drums most of the time, you know, just to feel the power. You know what I'm talking about, Claudio? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It. You have to hit it hard. Otherwise, it's not working. Always, man. Always got to keep it hard. <laughs> hey, hey, Claudio, do you uh, do you play any drums? What? Do, do you play any drums, Claudio? My basic, my first experience with drums was with lean drum. So, John, do you play uh, any other instruments besides drums? No, just drums, man. Yeah, my brother's the guitar player, and that's all I ever want to do. And I tried the guitar, you know, it's like, ah, I just don't have the patience, man. I just I just want to break stuff. It's, it's the way I've always been. Take us back in time now to your beginnings. I understand you're from the Bronx in New York. Did your family have a house there, or was it an apartment building? No, it was a house, but all the houses were very close together, you know, and like a whole block of houses. Uh, I don't know what they call them, community houses or something. But um, but all of the neighbors, my, my older brothers and, and the older guys, and they were all influenced by 70s rock. And that's where, um, yeah, came into my life. And my neighbor, Charlie Castelluccio, he was a drummer. He had a kit, just a beginner, like Blue Sparkle. Um, 
just a cheapo kit. And he was upgrading to a gold sparkle kit. And he uh, he asked me if I wanted to buy his kit for $25, which I begged my mother. And she gave in. And from then there on, uh, we took the drum kit right over the porch, brought him right into the basement, cleaned him up. I put jewelry on the kit. The next day I woke up it was a Sunday. I'll never forget it. It was just like, I couldn't wait to get downstairs to the drum kit and just start playing the records. And ever since that day, that was it for me. That's uh, uh, that's all I wanted to do. So, and after that, Charlie um, had tickets for David Bowie at Madison Square Garden in 1977 and asked my mother if he could bring me and uh, he had an extra ticket. So going to see uh, David Bowie with Dennis Davis on the drum kit, I was sold on that. So that's what I, uh, that's all I ever wanted to do. So, so what inspired you to pick up the, 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 the drums for the first time though? Like your friend had the drum kit for sale, but was there, was, did you want to get into drums before that? Um, I did. Uh, it was actually watching the hard days night with my mom. I was seven years old on TV and I seen Ringo and I'm like that guy, he's the coolest guy ever. So I wanted to plead and the drums just attracted me. And, um, then I would look in the dictionary of, uh, you know, um, graphics and drums, just, you know, pictures, whatever I could find. And, and the dictionary wasn't the most representative, you know, as a drum kit. Then at the, at the public library, there was a magazine called Downbeat. It was a jazz magazine. I'm this, Claudia, do you remember this magazine? Downbeat. This is before yeah. Modern Drummer and all that. And yeah, I yeah, yeah. See the drum ads like for uh, back then Ludwig or Slingland or whatever. And I would cut the ad out, the picture, and I send them to the companies with that. Andrew, could, could you please send me a catalog? I was like 12 <laughs> years old and I would get catalogs and I still have them. So nice. Cool. Yeah. And I just, I just, I know everything about drums and that's how I learned it. Working for Charlie Bonatti, Anthrax, we were friends and he had asked me to, um, if I wanted to go in drum tech for him, because I knew a lot about drums and i just had the best time of my life back then hey john how, how old were you when you saw dennis davis at the david bowie show uh i was like 12 13 years old right right 13 so that's 77 so i was one in 64 that's that's about the time that most musicians seem to really fall deeply into it you know yeah yeah so, I, yeah definitely maybe it's the eat your ears or something like or i don't know yeah. Those days were the best days. Absolutely. hundred percent, man. Thousand percent. There's nothing so, like it. And I'll, I'll never forget like 1976 in particular was one of the best years ever, especially like, you know, being in New York and it's a bicentennial year, the 200th anniversary and everybody, you were able to paint everything red, white, and blue, like the fire hydrants in the street, the mailboxes and, and like Kiss Destroy was out, Aerosmith rocks and oh, Rainbow Rising. I just I'm all the great. It's one of the best years ever. So it was. I I, I can remember it as well. Uh, that mid seventies era was just an amazing golden time for rock. Yeah, I remember walking on Fifth Avenue and you smell the pot all <laughs> over the place. You know, like just like a big wave. Yeah, of man, pot. it's like Cheech and Sean coming out of the van, right? Woo! Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, John. So through your teens. Um, who were your influences? You mentioned Dennis Davis of David Bowie, and uh, and I heard you mention Cozy Powell, right? Yeah, Cozy's a big influence on me. Well, it's John Bonham was the first drummer. Um, that was one of the first songs I, I learned how to play or tried to learn how to play was Black Dog. So, um, yeah, Bonham, Cozy. Then, 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 you know, Tommy Aldridge, and I got into more of... Um, like Terry Bozio and then Simon Phillips, Steve, you know, I could go down all the Tony Williams. I started getting into fusion, Steve Gadd and all that. Wow, yeah. man. 
sounds sounds like you were very open and just absorbing it all. Yeah, well, I studied yeah. with my my good friend John Spina. Now he was like my mentor. I started taking drum lessons from him when I was fourteen, and he took me to a lot of these shows when I was underage downtown in New York City, like Steve Gadd when I was fifteen years old. But Richard T, man, you know, I seen that and Tom Scott and all, like all these. So I was yeah, <laughs> very lucky at that age seeing that and. So, so also going going through your teens, uh, were you also doing cover bands at this time, and maybe maybe local original bands? Yeah, that's the way it was back in the day, like in in the, in the New York scene. The, you know, the, the club bands like cover. You basically did more covers and maybe threw a, a few originals in. And I was in a band called Jackals back then. Um, the three guys, you know, two of my friends I grew up with, my bass player Brian and the guitar player Walter. And uh, it was a cool band, man. And then we had the singer Tony Harnell from the band TNT. I'm a great singer. And we played a lot of great, you know, Judas Priest or, you know, the Motorhead to Saxon. And it, it was just a fun time. Dio and Sabbath, all that stuff. Then Tony got the offer to play with TNT. And then we were trying out singers and looking. And I was like, oh, this is this sucks, man. And that's when Charlie asked me, he's like, why don't you come on tour with us? And it was just kind of a joke. And I was like, yeah, why not? And that was an incredible opportunity for me because I got to go on tour. I got to meet people and seeing what the road was like. I'm out of my parents' house. I'm getting paid uh, and I'm I'm seeing the world. And it was it was an incredible incredible experience. And with my friends on top of it. So 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 would you say that like this is the moment when you're crossing over into the world of professional musician? Yeah, yeah. Get, getting getting to go on the road with Charlie. Yeah, and that's what led me to play with Exodus. Uh, they were the opening band, and they got to see me sound check. And their drummer, Tom, he couldn't do the next tour. And they asked me, I'm like, what? I don't play this type of music. I was always a hard rock drummer, you know, like Cozy, White Snake, and Judas Priest. But, you know, and playing thrash, especially Exodus, and he's a lefty drummer. So, you know what? I took my chances, and I just practiced. And on the days off, I was playing the songs. And 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 the tour is booked. I flew up to uh, San Francisco. I live in L.A. at the time. Uh, which I still do. And then uh, I had no idea what was going to happen. We had the tour book. So luckily it went well, just jamming with them. And, and my, of course, my first show was in New York and Brooklyn at Lemoore's. <laughs> didn't go on until like one in the morning. I'm like, oh, God, the longest day of my life. But it went well. <laughs> I must have met your first show back in your hometown. Yeah, that must have been great. It, it was, man. Yeah, a lot of stress. Now, John, how did, how did it happen, though, for you, like joining Exodus? Like what happened? Well, those guys were always cool. And, you know, they did a couple tours in Anthrax. We were friends. And like I said, and, and Zextro, the singer in particular, he was the one that said, we should get Johnny to do it. And and everybody was like, really? And so they asked me, I'm like, okay, I'll ju- I just took a chance, man. And and that was it. And that's right. You know, I always feel like you have to take your chances, man. If you get that and you feel it from the gut, go for it. And, you know, it's timing is everything as well. From I yeah. got great gigs. From that, I, I went into Testament. They also opened for Anthrax, and that led me into that. And then White Zombie was another band that I left Testament to go to because I just felt like it, w- it was a career move for me, and I, I wanted to change, and I really felt I needed to uh, to do something different, and, and it, it worked out. Now, by this moment in time, you've done, you've done three releases with Exodus and three releases with Testament. no. No, no. It, it was two records at Exodus and a live record, kind of a like an EP thing. And yeah. Testament was just one one record, one the low record, and then uh, 
and then we we did a uh, uh, first strike is still deadly. Well, we just re-recorded the old songs and kind of beefed them up and made them a bit heavier and stuff like that. But you you must have felt very established by that time. Yeah, I did. And I was in Zombie and they did a lot of touring and a lot of playing. So I felt confident and I have the confidence is a big thing as well, man. You know, you could go into anything without any any fear. And you you always kind of, you know, obviously we all have, our, you know, we get nervous for anything like that, but that's just natural. But you really want to go in confident and and really if you're going in for an audition, you know, you want to be prepared, listen to it and write your chart. Whatever not if you don't read charts or just, you know, little sheets or whatever, just little notes to remind you and and just go and kick ass because you know what? You might never have this opportunity again. So just give it your all. When I was in Canada in nineteen ninety-four or ninety-three actually. All I hear was White Zombie, you know, on the on the radio, on the clubs, you know. Yeah, it was How a was big it? record back then, man. Yeah, that was the first album, right? It blew me away. Yeah, and it yeah. was 95. It was yeah, the Astro Creep record, and they're playing in all the clubs, and like, wow, it was like the number one. It was in the top 10 for two months straight. Like, yeah, blew was, my mind. That and, was heavy, yeah. Yeah, and then it, it was a great achievement for me, and especially for my parents, you know, because my this is a funny story. As I always say this, my dad, my dad's Italian, you know, from Italy. Uh, well, uh, you play, what are you, you, you play in the Exodus, uh, the Testament. Uh, what's the next band? The Ten Commandments. <laughs> <laughs> I always get a kick out of that. You know, and it took me a while when we when I you know got my first gold record with White Zombie and then give it to them. And it was a huge achievement, you know, for all the years and and all the sacrifices they made for me as well. So so John, now going from testament into White Zombie, you know, how did it happen? Did somebody call you or did suggest an audition? My name had come, yeah, my name had come up a couple times. I knew the management back then and uh, the funny thing is, I seen White Zombie open up for Anthrax back then. I was in Testament at the time, and I'm like, man, this band is really cool, but they just need a drummer that really gives them that foundation. And I'm like, man, I can really make them sound good. <laughs> not, not an ego, but I just, I just felt like, man, they just need a good ass kicking. And so I just went for it. They auditioned, and I remember going there. And it was another, it was another thing too. I had nothing to lose because I just did this record with Testament, which is great. I mean, one of my 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 proudest you know accomplishments the low record and we worked our asses off and like if i didn't get the gig i didn't get the gig so and the the best thing for me at the time was i was commuting back and forth with um testament or exodus as well because i was living in los angeles and where where white zombie had their uh, rehearsal room was honestly five minutes from my apartment building like god this is amazing i don't have to drive anymore and and so it just opened the door to everything man that's terrific. Guys, hold it right there, and we'll be right back after a word from the Rock Music Alliance and the RMA Awards for rock, metal, and prog music. It's time that rock music has its own awards, the RMA Awards, its own scholarships, charity events, and more. And only you can make it happen by joining the Rock Music Alliance and voting in the RMA Awards. You can join as either a musician, an industry professional, or if you just love rock music, you can join as a patron of rock. Everyone can join, and everyone gets to vote. Join the Rock Music Alliance. Go to rockmusicalliance.com. That's rockmusicalliance.com. This is Johnson Pesta from The Cult. Join the Rock Music Alliance. Yeah! 
We're back with John Tempesta. Now, John, at the time you were doing Astro Creep 2000 with Zombie, electronic drums and samples were really beginning to take over. You know, did you feel threatened with all of that? No. As a matter of fact, uh, when we wrote that record, it was just raw. It was just us. Then Charlie Clouser came in right towards the end of the session before we went to recording. And, you know, he took all the songs, the recorded songs from the studio, and he put his samples down on it. And then, I, honestly, I never played with a click track back then. And going into recording mode, um, I had a click behind me with these loops that were really a great foundation. And I just played to it and it actually made me groove even more. So it made it easier for me. It was a lot of fun. It was exciting, man. I'll never forget hearing more human than human, you know, for the first time. It's it's just an amazing wall of sound. You know what? When I first, when we talked about it, like being a, being a single, I was like, I honestly didn't think that song was going to make the record. Because the way we were playing, I came up with the drum beat in rehearsals. It was, it was like a bottom beat. Dun, dun, second, dun, dun, you know what I mean? And Rob was like, keep playing that. We had a four track player back then, really low, low budget. And so I kept playing it. And then when Charlie put his stuff down to it, like, and then Jay's slide, then Rob's vocals, it just became this whole incredible thing, man. I believe, you know, at least one of the times I heard the song, I was in a band playing at a place called Pier 52 in Hermosa Beach. And, and I was setting up the gear in the afternoon. It's like three o'clock in the afternoon, you know, and I'm, I'm setting up the gear and they're cranking the tunes in the club, you know, and up comes that song. It was just, it was just amazing. You know, it's, it's very sonic, man. I mean, you could crank it. The production on that record. Oh yeah. Yeah. Terry, Terry Date did an amazing job along with Ulrich Wilde. And I mean, those guys, we recorded at NRG studios. It was a fun session, man. I can't believe that was like 94. Oh, I know, man. Yeah, the time is flying. Now, did you get into triggering and programming? Um, no. The program was already there. We played, I played along to it live on tracks with a click. I, had, I always have a click. Um, but I did trigger drum, like my, my drums uh, for the live sound. Mainly the toms and the bass and the snare acts. Yeah, say, but he wasn't using the whole kit. I had a lot, mostly live drums. He would just add like the uh, D drums to the bass drums and snare just to give it like a little more texture to him. How did you become part of the new version of Helmet? Uh, yeah, uh, a friend of mine from New York, Renee Mata, uh, he knew Paige. And this is at the time where I wasn't doing anything. Rob Zombie, uh, he didn't want to play anymore at that time. He just like, hey, I'm taking a break. I want to concentrate on movies. I get it. And so like, and I have to play. This is what I do for a living. So when they said, hey, Paige just moved out here and he's putting something together. I'm like, really? And I was always a huge Helmet fan, right? I'm like, oh man, Paige Hamilton. So we talked on the phone and we met together for the first time at the Cat and Fiddle um, in Hollywood. You know that place? I know it. I know it well. And I used to love going there. And so- It's on Sunset, right? Yeah, yeah, it moved. But um, yeah, we had a great hang and we just talked about music and we have a lot more in common than I thought. And he brought a CD with his new songs like, yeah, don't worry about it. We had a couple of drinks. I'm like, you know, afterwards I go, I have a drum room, just bring your amp over and we'll feel it out. And so he did a couple of days later and we just gelled, man. It just felt natural. And we've become best, you know, really good friends. He's one of my best friends actually. And when the house I'm in now, Paige used to live right next door. So, and, and I actually helped them move into that apartment. It's just, it's so weird how life is, you know? And uh, we're, we're still good buddies. And we talked about maybe doing something again down the line, something different, possibly. So, 
you had been a longtime fan of Helmet. Did you feel a little nervous at working with them at first? I Well, it wasn't Helmet. That's a thing. It, it was uh, Pates had this band called Gandhi in New York. I'm like, I don't think we should keep that name. Man. I mean, it's cool, but we should change it. And then all of a sudden, Paige gets a call from Jimmy Ivey, and it's like, you should put Helmet back together. And I mean, Paige wrote all the songs, and and I was like, I don't know, I don't want to play John's thing. Your son John's great, don't you know? And it's like, but then then Chris Chris um uh, Chris was in the band at the time. He's with Bush now, and and so um yeah, and and he was in Helmet, and and then. Blasco was in the band and like, why not, man? They're going to sign us to a, a good record deal. We could do our own record and, and the version with, with pages, you know, the Gandhi songs and all. And uh, it turned out great, man. And that was another really, really fun tour because um, Blasco went to Ozzy. So I brought in my old great friend, Frank Bello from Anthrax to come on tour. Talk about like we were in high school together, we're in a high school band, and we're just practical jokers. So we we just laughed all the time, but we kicked some ass on that stage, man. I'll tell you, sounds like a good time. And did you ever did you ever see that band, Claudio? Yes, in my dreams. <laughs> and I didn't yeah. I didn't see it. So so how did the cult gig happen? Uh, this is another funny story. Okay. So when I was in Testament, we're going back before I was a white zombie. I knew Ron Lafitte and he was managing uh, the cult back then. And and I, that's another band I always loved the cult. I seen him on the electric tour in New York with Charlie, man. And like, and I remember buying, I used to wear a love t-shirt and it's so weird. Anyhow, so Ron was like, dude, there's a new song they just did with Rick Rubin called The Witch. I want you to check it out. I think you, you would be a perfect fit. You have that sound, you have the look, but, but you know, they're looking for some, I go, cool. Another thing I felt confident, like, oh, I got this, man. So I was staying in my friend's apartment, couch surfing or whatever. And he drives me down to third encore studios. And I'm like, I'm all calm. I'm going to get this gig. I go there. It was a hot summer day. I see the receptionist and I go, oh, I'm here for the cult audition. Like, oh, they're not here. They're, they're, they're done with auditions. I'm like what? I was just <laughs> come here. So at this point I have no freaking cell phone. My friend drops me up. I have to walk to a pay phone, get changed. I'm like, Ron, what's going on, man? So because of that, you know, I think about like being at the right place at the right time. Now, if I would have gotten that gig, I wouldn't have gotten the white zombie gig. So it all works out. And so 13 years later, I get the cult gig. My friend, they were reforming the cult again. You know, they break up, get back together. So this is in 2006. Um, yeah, I've been in the band 15 years now. And so I went in there and same thing, you know, whatever. These guys, they, they flaked on me before. So, you know, I'll go in there and, and I did. I went there and, you know, Gave it my best. And uh, I did another audition. They had a bunch of guys. It was like a big cattle call at the time. And so that was it. They, it was actually, uh, God, Valentine's Day. 15 years Valentine's Day. I got that gig with Chris Wise as well. We both got that gig. Yeah, yeah it, it really is amazing uh, how many times I hear uh, of uh, things like this. It's, it's like a synchronicity event, you know, and uh, like one thing leads to another, to another. Uh, but, but what's also cool is that you've ended up kind of working with people that you have known in the past as well. And that's it. And I, I've been fr- all the bands I've been in, I'm still friends with. And I never like been that guy where all the you know, I mean, and that's important, too, you know, and, and, and you know, to have that relationship with the band and, you know, camaraderie and just everything. It goes a long way. I, I think so. I think that's a really terrific trait. 
trait of yours to, to have then, you know, keeping in touch with people and, and uh, keeping those relationships going. Yeah, man, you never know. You might want to do another jam again. I mean, just, you know, just in general, just musically, man, you know, miss playing with the person. And there's other people like I talked to Gary Halton, you know, from Exodus Slayer. And I was like, oh, man, it'd be great to jam here and there or something. Anything, man. I just love to play, too. So. Well, you know, you have to be out and, uh, and around, you know, That's right. otherwise you miss no, you, stuff. You have to be in it to win it, basically. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm too old for that now. Yeah. No more cat club. St. <laughs> <laughs> Patty's Day. I'm staying home, man. I'm watching TV, drinking green juice here. See? I need another bottle. <laughs> I, I used yeah. to be at the cat club every day for that. Oh, I remember seeing you all the time. And anywhere I went out, he's like stuck to the wall, this guy, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking for the right gig. What no, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You just never know, man. Yeah. So uh, along the way, uh, you've gotten to work with Tony Iommi. Yeah. yeah how, how did that meetup happen? And what was it like recording with him? Oh, it was incredible. That was on uh, in 1999. We were in Ozfest. Um, I was with Rob Zombie and it was a Black Sabbath reunion tour. And there was a three-day break in between the tour. And, and Tony had asked me, he got his assistant, actually. He's like, hey, come to uh, Tony's uh, trailer. He wants to talk to you. I'm like, okay. He goes, hey, I like the way you play. And, you know, he knows I'm a big Cozy fan. And him and Cozy were like best friends. And Bill Ward, that style. And um, he asked if I want to play a couple songs in a record. I'm like, are you kidding me? Of course. And, and so uh, it was like a day or two later. We were and we were already already in Connecticut where the, where the tour stopped and and the studio they got was in uh, Massachusetts Longview Farm so I drove on the bus with them and drinking some wine with Tony in the back and Chino from the Deftones were there too because he was in the sing on it and um, he just told us some great stories and we just had a real blast and the next day I woke up and my drum tech was with me set up the kit and all of a sudden Tony's right next to me and like. Holy shit. I'm going to jam with Tony Iommi. And as soon as he plugged that guitar in, man, and it just clicked, you know, I, I knew this, the, this song and, and I just did my cozy Powell, like tribute Phil. And he kind of turned around and smiled and all that. So I love that song, man. It's powerful too. Nice. Yeah. You've gotten to do a pretty good variety of music. Do you feel like you're getting to use all your skills at this point? No, I, I I'm, I'm trying to whatever I can do, man. I did a, I did a record with uh, Rodrigo e Gabriella um, a few years back. I did a couple tracks on the record, and um, that was a lot of fun. And you know, recording and they already did their record prior in um, in Cuba, you know, with a Cuban orchestra. So he wanted rock drums on top of it. My brother and him were friends, and it's like, you think your brother want to play drums? And because they were really into Testament, I'm like, hell yeah, man! Went down the street, recorded, and it went so well. I did another song, and and Peter. Asher was a producer so that was that was another crazy thing too man it's just you know playing the whole Latin thing and and when yeah. they drum clinics you bust that song you're like oh man where did that come from dude how about you how about you Claudia you've done a, a pretty big variety of stuff uh how about you ever done any like the Latin influence music yeah that's what in Argentina when I was yeah. doing that I was doing jazz fusion I was doing all the Herbie Hancock and Jeff Beck. Wow. And then I was doing Mahavishnu too. And then I did some Latin also, you know, because it's a band that they they did a lot of Latin music, you know, like a, it's like a, it's a mix of um, African music and, you know, they call it Candombe. It's from Uruguay and it's 
We have some great musicians playing there. Um, anyway, long story short. Yeah, man. You play with a lot of people, though. You know, you're very talented. He's, he's played with a lot of people, and he knows a lot of people. It's pretty pretty incredible. I still wanted to play with John Tempesta. You, you know him well? One <laughs> <laughs> of these days, man, we're going to do something. All right? We'll do that right. song. We'll do that song when... Uh, I like to do it like jamming all in one studio, though, you know? Yeah. You don't have to better. talk about this song, but you know it's what I'm talking about. It's better. It's better. Yeah, you know, just to get that feel and vibes. Yeah, yeah, It'll yeah. happen. Yeah. So, John, would you consider a modern progressive rock band or a symphonic goth metal band? A progressive, definitely. I always wanted to play that type of music. You know, I was very influenced by um, uh, Jethro Tull, UK, and we got Yes back there, and, you know, Genesis, King Crimson. I, I was into, uh, yeah, I didn't play that in any bands, but I, I love listening to that music. So. Did you ever get to meet up with uh, Alan White? I did meet Alan White, yeah, in a Zildjian session, and... Um, yeah, Terry Bozio, and yeah, I mean, seeing Terry Bozio with UK open up for Jethro Tull, man, that was freaking blew my mind. <laughs> Just first time seeing Terry, I was like, Woo, what is that? Who is this guy? Bill Bradford was playing in UK too, right? Who's that? Bill Bradford was playing in the That's UK. That's the first record, yeah. yeah. And Terry did the second one, Danger Money, and the live record. They did three records, and that was Eddie Jobson on keyboards, violin, yeah. and John Wenton. Yeah, yeah John Wenton, yeah. Great band, yeah. Wow. Well, John, that brings us to the end of our time today. So there we are. Um, the cult song Libertine is entered into the RMA Awards, which is underway right now for this year. So people listening, go to the rockmusicalliance.com website, join up, and place your votes. Right. John, thanks for being here. Uh, thanks for having me, man. That's it today for our time with John Tempesta. You can keep in touch with John on social media and his website, johntempesta.com. Visit thimbleslide.com for the guitar slide that frees your finger. It allows you to slide and fret while wearing it. And visit rockmusicalliance.com and join the Rock Music Alliance so you can vote in the RMA Awards. For the Rock Music Alliance, I'm Cole Coleman. Be well, stay well, and join the Rock Music Alliance.